I, I just really want to commend Shayla this morning for her faithfulness to come, for she knows that bringing her sons is going to reap everlasting rewards, teaching them the things of God. And the thought came to me as we was worshiping my life, there was a big void between about, oh, in the early years of my life from five to eight or something, I attended church because I lived with my aunt and uncle for a period of time. And then from about eight to 20 something, I had no, no use for it. But do you know that during that time of early childhood, I can remember virtually everything? Amen. So I thank you for bringing your children and your faithfulness to come. Amen. They'll be 20-some years old and say, Mama, I remember when we had VBS or whatever have you. You may have long forgot, but they'll remember it clearly. Hallelujah. So, we're glad that you're here this morning. I, I think we got a good message that uh, the Lord had placed upon my heart. It, it, a guy once said it may get a little tight, but it'll turn out right. Amen. So we just ask Holy Spirit to reveal some truths in your word to us. May we just be challenged to go to a higher place in you. May we not get complacent and, and figure out that this is as good as it gets, but may we be continually striving upward and onward to help uh, establish the kingdom on earth. We thank you, Father, for everything that you've imparted unto us. And we ask Holy Spirit to just uh, use my uh, oracle, use my voice this morning to speak only the things that you would have me to say in Jesus' name. Amen. So Bruce is going to roll off three scriptures. One right after the other. We're going to take a look at Joshua, Psalm, 3 John. Are you ready, Bruce? Joshua 1 and 8, a very familiar scripture, but let's take a look. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may observe to do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. This is a wonderful key. He's saying to meditate on the word of God that I will cause you to have good success and to be prosperous in life. Next verse, Psalm 1. And we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever we do shall prosper. Somebody say amen to that. Whatever we do, we shall prosper. 
I, I like that. He gives Joshua the secret to success, that everything that you do is going to be a great success. Everything you put your hand to is going to prosper. The psalmist is telling us that when the, when the drought comes and when the heat comes, that we're still going to bear fruit and our leaf shall not wither and whatever we do shall prosper. Last scripture, 3 John. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. So what, what word did we get out of all three of them verses? Prosper, prosperity, that is God's desire. And, and when you speak of prosperity, you typically think of money. Correct? He's prospering me. He's giving me money. My, my checkbook is starting to increase. I've got a raise on the job, so on and so forth. But he wants us to prosper in every realm of life. He wants us to prosper in health. He wants us to prosper in our relationships. He wants us to prosper in our marriages. He wants us to have great success and favor on our job and before the people, our peers. Every realm of life is what he wants us to prosper. We cannot just put it in one thing and say, well, it's all about money. It's far more than that. His prosperity covers many, many things. Do you agree? So we're going to ask Holy Spirit to show us some truths and, and uh, don't shut me off yet. So we're going to ask ourselves, can we pass the prosperity test? We're going to have a test this morning. Can we pass the test of what God calls prosperity? And we speak many times and everyone knows that most of the tests that come into our life or comes into the life of the believer comes from the devil himself. It says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. It says he is the accuser of the brethren. It said, if he can, he shall sift us as wheat. It also says that he walks among believers as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So all of the trials, temptations, and tests is primarily from our adversary, the devil. But I ask the question, does God also test us? Stay with me now. Let's look at James 1, 12 and 13. Because God does test us because he wants to promote us. He wants to take us someplace that we've not yet been. If I was an employer and somebody put in a resume and I looked and seen that they never held a job over a couple weeks, and every job uh, that they've ever had, they've got fired from. They wasn't dependable. They screwed everything up that they've ever had there. Uh, uh, you know, would I hire that guy? I don't think so, because he's flunked the test. 
But God wants to give us a promotion. So we're going to have a little testing today. But we know that God does not test the same way that the devil tests. The devil tests us with evil. But God tests us with good things. It says, blessed is the man that endures temptations, trials, and testings. When he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. But let no man say when he is tempted, tried, or tested that it comes from God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. So yes, he does test, but not in the way that the devil does. We had some people get up and leave, and we've never seen them again because their mind was absolutely set in stone that God tested Job, that God caused Job to lose his children, his cattle, his home, everything that was dear to God or dear to Job, God stripped him of it. And I said, no, no, that's not the way God operates. There was something that came in that caused the devil to have access to these things. And they got angry with me. I, I, I give them truth. I could give them several different scriptures to validate it. But they was firmly convinced that God was the author of stripping Job of everything that he had. But God says, I cannot. It's impossible for me to tempt or try or test anyone in that fashion. When he tests us, he tests us with good things. See, I, I don't know what they do in school anymore. I, 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 got, I got to make some fun a little bit today, get, get you guys shaked up. It's raining outside. It's cool. It's a good sleeping day. But when I went to school, Noah, he can, he can tell me if I know what I'm talking about. When you went to school... Toward the end of the year, you had an SAT test. Do they still do that? If you flunked that test, or if you scored a 10 on it or something, you did not advance to the next place. Am I right about it? If you want to go on to the next level, you're going to have to spend your whole summer in school, or you flunk. You take the class again next year. That, that's the way it was with me. I, I was surprised when I first went into high school. You know, you started high school in eighth grade, and, and I walked into high school for the first day. I was 12 years old, and there was guys in there with beards and stuff. 20 years old. But they could never get to the next level. They could never pass the test. But today it's seemingly different. I just marvel all of the time. I'm not critical or judgmental. Sometimes I share with Darlene, but I cannot believe that they're graduating kids, giving them a high school diploma, sending them on their way, that in reality they're functioning on about a third grade level. I've had two or three people tell me, uh, I, I want to do the sign, Pastor. I want to help do the sign. Let me, let me do the sign. And for a while, every couple of weeks, we'd mix it up. We'd put something up on there. And I'd look and I'd say, oh, my. 
Does anything look wrong there? I'd look and it'd be about an eight word thing and six of the words would be misspelled. Easy words. Amen. I could get a job at Dillon's because I could really bamboozle these people. I'll write a check and my grocery bill will be 150 and I'll say, I'd like to have 20 extra, please. Oh, my goodness. You know, where's the boss at? I, I don't know what he's talking about. Where's the button to add 20 bucks onto that? They, they don't, they're clueless. Would you promote somebody like that? Yes or no? They, they're going to have to get some more education to get up to the next level. And, and I'm not trying to make fun, but it just always... Uh, Amazes me some of the ones that's out there among us. But God tests us with good things. Every blessing of God comes with an accompanying test. With every good and perfect gift, God asks, Will you still seek me and not the gift? It says in Colossians 1.18, a beautiful scripture, it says, In everything, God wants to have the preeminence. Well, what does that mean? In the Amplified, it says, He alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place. Stand first and preeminent or to be first in rank or influence. This is a very important key as to whether we pass the prosperity test is where does he rank in our life? Is he a side issue that we only come to in the time of need? Or is he truly first in rank and influence in our life? That, that's something we need to ask ourselves. We're going to get a test today. Amen? Many Christians have passed Satan's tests and trials. They have overcome evil circumstances. They've overcome sickness, even financial disaster. But they have failed God's test of prosperity. Many people serve God, but when the circumstances are difficult, they desert him once life is good. Can anybody say amen to that? As pastors, I'm sure that this is something that really troubles their heart, is you've got numerous people coming to you all the time, something bad, crisis. Somebody's going to be, uh, somebody got diagnosed with something bad, something bad. But when the bad gets over, amen, and the good comes, do we abandon God? Hallelujah. Does church attendance drop off and they're no longer interested in the things that they once was? I know we got a good bunch here. They say speaking or preaching to the choir, but this is very important because we got to see where things come from. We got to see if we want to pass this prosperity test, we want to do it correctly and we want to be at the top of the class. Amen. Because God wants to promote us and to take us to a new place. I can't take everybody to a new place. But there's those that are not happy at the level that they're at and know that there's got to be more. We would go to a lot of meetings and the prayer of the saints. 
would always be more. Give it to me. Give me, give me more. Give me more. And I had a thought one day that said, why should God give the more when we haven't done anything with what he's given to us? Amen. This is just more than getting goosebumps or having a quiver in our big toe or something. But give me more, Lord. And he desires to give us more. Hallelujah. You know, I... Uh, Going to say some interesting things today. I hope you still love me. But church attendance is always good when something's going on. They told me that after 911, every church in New York City was filled to capacity for about three weeks. And then things became somewhat normal again the threat of terrorism and all of these evil things started to subside, so the people decided they don't need any of that anymore. I go out in town quite a bit, and Darlene couldn't believe I said this the other day. See, I, I see a lot of people, and there's two in particular, and I'm not giving no names, but... They always stop me and say, Pastor, you know, I, I got to, I, 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 I was heading out to church the other day and, and, and I got a flat tire and so on and so forth. And they'll go on for 30, 40 minutes, maybe longer, giving me all of these excuses why they can't make it. Another one, they, you know, and I said, look, whether you ever come or not, I don't love you any less. I said, you don't have to feel guilty every time you see me and come up with a, a dozen different excuses why you don't come anymore. I, I said, I'll never think any less of you. I'll never love you any less. I just want all good things for you. So they feel real uncomfortable when they see me come into the store. Amen. Amen. So here comes the excuses. So excuses or reasons. That's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus ran into many people who followed him until their need was met. And soon as the need was met, they were gone. They treated him and his word like he was a magic genie. Once Jesus granted them their three wishes... They figured he would disappear and leave them alone. And once their need was met, they lost their motive for Jesus after that. We're talking about heart motives. I believe Jesus challenged both his disciples and us to keep our motives pure and our priorities focused on him. We're going to pass the priority or the prosperity test but we have to ask ourselves, what is my heart motives? What am I in this for? Am I in it just to get a job and get some money or to uh, get a new car or whatever have you, get my rent paid, have the doctor pronounce health and restoration over me and then go away? Many pastors could say that they've seen that over and over. 
over and over that they've helped someone get through a difficult place and then we never see them again. So there's, you know, it's wonderful. Everything that we could ever think about is in the Word of God somewhere. So let's look together at Luke 14. God wants to promote us today. Test following. I believe that everything that Jesus asks us to do is not a burden. It's not impossible. He would never ask us to do something that is not possible to do. So Jesus gives us a parable that I want us to take a look at. Luke 14, verse 16. We'll read it through and then we'll talk a little bit about it. And Jesus said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. He sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now made ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. Do you see that? I'd mark that one down in my Bible. A certain man had made a great supper and invited many. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first said unto him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I pray and ha I pray to have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee to have me excused. And another said, I've just married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. Verse 23, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. This is a wonderful example of filling the church today and what this parable means. So Jesus is speaking and he knew that the dedication of his disciples would one day be demonstrated by their consecration and faithfulness to the local church. The same proof of our dedication to the Lord is demanded by our faithfulness to attend a local church and our willingness to become involved. Everybody say willingness. It really does you no good to have uh, your wife drag you by the head of the hair when you don't want to be there. I think God does great things as we are willing. Amen. We've had altar calls where I've seen people just, you know, almost get physical with people to try to drag them up to the front. But every step of the way, 
They're resisting, they're dragging their heels. They don't want no part of this. But somebody is insisting that they do this certain thing. They may as well go sit down. Because a willingness means a lot. So, in this parable, the one who prepared the great supper is the pastor. Whether you think about it or not, every week the meal is ready. I can have confidence that I don't have to be here uh, all of the time. I could, you know, I could have full confidence that Pastor Matt or Pastor Mark, somebody fill in. It's going to feed you very well. But the meal is ready. The meal is always ready. And he said to go out and invite all to come. Are you with me? Hallelujah. The great meal has been prepared. I'm rarely ever here. But there's a meal prepared on Wednesday night. It's a good meal. It's very tasty. It's very healthy. But does any or many come to eat? Sometimes yes, sometimes perhaps no. We've had times where the church has been packed out. We've had times where there's been three or four people here. But it's always good that there are those who want to come and eat because the meal is prepared. They come willingly. I want to talk about, it says that the Bible tells us that everyone who was invited to this feast began to make excuses. Everybody say excuses because we hear this all of the time. Excuses, why I can't be there. Some people don't even tell you, they just don't show up. But let's take a look at these. It says, the first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I asked to be excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I have to be excused. And still another said, I have married a wife. Therefore, I cannot come. So the first two, we can assume, had financial excuses. They said they could not come because they had to inspect a piece of ground that they had bought. Another said he had to try out a team of oxen that he had recently bought. So let me ask you, is there anybody who has ever bought land or a house or something first without looking at it? I mean, I don't think there's anybody that dumb, is there? Or this other guy said, look, I've got a team of oxen that I've just bought, and i got to get off the hook Sunday morning because i got to go and take a look at them. I don't think I know anybody who would pay for a team of oxen and then afterwards say, i got to go see what i got for my money. Excuses. Excuses. Nobody does that. Excuses that were designed to cover the truth, blame the circumstances, and to deny personal responsibility. I, I, I 
had a few thoughts come to me when I was in the shower. I could write a book about this. It's very interesting. We've had a lot of people that's been very dear to us, and you always know when they're about ready to take a hike because the excuses start coming. Amen. They used to miss one uh, once every once in a while, and now it's three times a month, so on and so forth. Very many excuses. So I had a few of them come to me. I just got a little sticky note, so I certainly don't have all of them, but I got a couple of my favorites. We used to come, but have you noticed the price of fuel lately? It's almost $3 a gallon. How in the world? Man, I would go broke driving from Ark City up there. You know, that might cost me a $5 bill, and I just, oh my goodness, you know. Everybody say excuses. All of the time, many, many things. Hallelujah. Can I tell you one of my favorite ones? Yes or no? One of the biggest meetings we ever had here, you couldn't find a seat. You had to pull up carpet. There was a man that came from Tanzania, South Africa. Uh-huh. And this guy is highly respected in his sphere of influence. He has a, a, his ministry is broadcast to many other nations on satellite and so on and so forth. His church is humongous. Well-known ministers, Benny Hinn, different ones, has recently or often frequented his church. This guy was a big deal. Nobody in America probably knew of him, but in the nation that he lived in, he was a man of high esteem. And amazingly enough, he said that he would come here and speak. He had business in the Midwest, and he come to be with us. Hallelujah. And if anybody knows me very long, I let you guys get by with a lot of stuff. But on a day when we're going to have Jerry Savelle here or something, I expect good behavior. How many times have I ever said, be here on time? Amen. Being late is rude, especially to foreign people. They really take a look at that, and to, to them, that is an insult. We have times where we don't have any choice. Maybe the train hung us up. But I would tell them to uh, make an effort to, you know, look nice, be nice. If there's guests here, welcome the guests. Find out who they are, so on and so forth. Be on time. All of these things. And... We had a young couple that started out with us, man and woman. Big meeting coming up. Practice. Be at your best. No confusion. Everything's got to flow real nicely. We're going to have a lot of people from the community here. So, the man was a sensational musician. He was a great guitar player. His wife, she was a keyboard player, and she was pretty good, but she had maybe some confidence issues. She came, and she the more people come in here, the more nervous she got. And I said, well, where's your husband at? He's not coming. He's not coming. 
you know, okay, what do you mean he's not coming? The dog messed on the floor, and he had to deal with that. He had to go down to Dylan's and get a machine and take care of that. He, he's not going to be able to make it. Excuses. Couldn't that wait a couple hours and deal with it later on? You know, she was freaking out because she'd never been put up, out up front into a place like that. And I gave her confidence. I said, look, if Carmen comes in, he sets, you play. And it turned out to be okay. But I was just sick in my spirit because the dumbest thing I ever heard of was a legitimate excuse for this guy. Amen. We doing okay? See, we, we say, oh, oh, I, I see a lot of faces just in total disbelief. Oh, nobody would do that. Well, yes, they do. And they do it all the time. It may be in different circumstances, but in this parable, the king or the man has prepared and he's worked and he's cooked some food and all he's asking is for the people to come and eat. The weatherman said is always a good one. In the wintertime, you may as well not even have a church because if the man says that there's going to be a, a frosty flake come down, then they, they ain't nobody going to come. It's not that they can't. It's because that's a good excuse to hold on to. This other gentleman I see at Walmart, he, I love him. He's, he's a highly gifted guy. God could do great things with him. And he told me the other day, he said, you know, I was coming to church and, and my old truck, it, my old truck just started talking to me and, and it said it couldn't make it out there. It just was sick and it couldn't make it out to church three miles. I said, well, how, how are you making it to work? Oh, I don't have no trouble making it to work. I guess there's some weird phenomena that on Sunday morning or Wednesday night that the car acts up. Amen. See, see, this has become a fact of life. It becomes a, a all too often or all too common. Here's a real good one. A woman has a husband who has issues with drug addiction. He has times where he's just doing so well. And then he gets back on the dope. And the woman says, well, I can't bring him to church because he's back on the dope again. See, that don't make no sense to me because the one place that he might actually receive help that lasts is at the church. But no, I, we're going to withdraw from that because he, he's not being a good boy. See, to me, I, I'm of at least average intelligence, and these, these things just totally blow me away. Amen. We might have some people not mad at me today, but I guess we'll get over it. I'll tell something Darlene may not like. My, my wife likes Facebook. Anybody like Facebook? But you know what? Everybody's got her blocked. But Facebook will tell on you. 
See, we get a call and say, man, I was just puking my guts up all night. I just don't know. I think I'm going to have to go to the ER. I tell you what, I've never been so sick. And then on Facebook, check it out. Look, me and the kids, we was at Fun World. We did all this stuff. and we did. Wow, you guys received a miracle. Excuses. I don't like everybody to be sick every Sunday. We've got to be a little bit more creative. Tell me you had a flat tire or the car won't start or something. But see, this is where the guy got aggravated at in the Bible is because week after week, he prepared a meal and all he wants to do is have somebody come and eat. He said, go into the highways, invite the lame, the blind, the poor, the maimed, the halt, so on and so forth. And that's really what the church is all about. To bring those who are sick, spiritually sick, physically sick, in. Amen. And let the Lord do the rest. To trust him to do what only he can do. Amen. Hallelujah. We find a lot of interesting things on Facebook. I guess. I don't much look at it. But Facebook will expose you. Yeah, I just tell you what, I'm just so sick. I'm just, well, I'm just wore out. Well, we find out they was at the club all night. So naturally, they're going to be sick and wore out. Hallelujah. So we go back and we find out that these two guys, they had to go inspect a piece of land that they had bought. One did, and the other one had to go look at some oxen, and he had to try them out. Excuse after excuse after excuse. So how did these men become prosperous enough to buy these land, the land or the oxen? Apparently, they sat under uh, the priest or whatever have you, and was blessed by God to buy a team of oxen and a piece of land. But somehow their priorities gets turned around. After we accomplish what we want, are we still interested in the things of God or has our priorities changed? As these men established possessions, it seems as if they were no longer interested in God. They had a great love once for God. He met their needs. He granted their desires. But they never, but never to be loved and served. How sad. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 6, I think, that a great multitude followed him. Went everywhere. And Jesus stopped and said, wait a minute. Are you following me because of the miracles? Or are you following me because... You're hungry, and you want something to eat. What is the motives of our heart? Do we truly want to be promoted to the next level? Are we going because somebody has made us go? We have to examine these things that our priorities don't change. When people quit the church, they rarely ever speak about why they quit. They just disappear. A lot of these things could be straightened out, but uh, we need to be able to discuss some of these things. The third man in this story, and I love this, he excused himself because of his 
new wife. Or we could say new husband. One of the things that in the church that is, is if you see a young man and a woman in love and they come and they plan their life together and their relationship goes south, then bye-bye usually to both. Amen. It says that he had recently got married and now he don't have time for God anymore. He spends all of his time with his new wife occupied with the trivial details of life instead of with the giver of life. My goodness. We've all known people who served God faithfully, loved Jesus, and perhaps made a mistake in who they married. Because now their priorities change. You know, the Apostle Paul even said that in uh, to the Corinthians church, that it was better off than for him not to marry, because he knew if he did, all of his affection would be on his mate and not the Lord Jesus Christ. So married people, it is uh, an easy balance, really, to... Uh, serve Jesus, serve the giver of life, and take care of all of your family interests as well. Amen. But there always must be a pressure in our lives pushing us to serve God, and God's desire is to see that that pressure, that drive toward godliness, move from the outside to the inside. He wants us to serve Him because not what we want or what we need because we want to do. We want to do. What is our motive for serving God? May it be a heart of gratitude and love. Let the motive of love far exceed the motive of need. Almost done. Time passes very quickly. So Moses warned the Israelites about the snares of prosperity before they entered Canaan land. He told them of hills filled with copper, gold, and silver. He told them of rich soil which would grow large crops with little effort. He told them of the God who would give them the great prosperity of the, of the land after the time of fighting was over. They could live in houses they did not build. They could have such wealth that they would become the envy of other nations around. But Moses knew the time for the Israelites to dedicate themselves to the Lord and make a strong commitment to him was before the prosperity came. Amen. Do we love God? Do we seek after him only to fulfill a need? Or do we love him unconditionally? Not for what he can do for us, but because we love him. Let's look very quickly at Deuteronomy 8. Start with verse 11. It says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commands, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you this day. 
lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful homes and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty lands and there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you for you to do good in the end. When you say in your heart, my power, my might, my hand have gained me this wealth, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to the fathers, as it is this day. So only pride and arrogance would cause someone to give, to give themselves credit for something God did. God's desire is for us to remain dedicated to him even after we are blessed. It gives God joy when we as children worship him, even when we have no pressing need. Amen. Why didn't you come to Wednesday night? We missed you. I wasn't in trouble. I didn't need to go to that. Uh-huh. We haven't seen you in ages. What's going on? Well, the dog pooped on the floor and I had to deal with that. I'm sorry. Them's terrible excuses. I'm sure Darlene could write a much better book than me because it's her that gets all of the texts. Amen. So we'll put you to write the book. God wants to promote us. God had a very special job for Joshua. We got one more scripture we're going to look at, Exodus 33. We got to ask ourselves, how... Can I position myself for promotion? Why did Moses promote Joshua? Was he Joshua's yes man? No, I don't think Joshua came from spirit. That's how they seem to promote up there. You know, whoever schmoozes the boss and does nice things and whatnot, they're usually going to be the next boss on the list. So we have to look at the qualities of the great people that God used for promotion. And we looked at this last week, but we had a different subject matter. Subject matter. But we're going to take one scripture that we overlooked last week. This was one of the key to Joshua's great success. The Lord spake unto Moses, face to face, as a man speaks unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. I would write that down. After the meeting was over, Joshua stayed in the presence of the Lord. He pursued God 
he pursued after everything about God and, and his love for God, it said that he didn't be in any hurry to leave. The presence of the Lord was in the tabernacle, and that is the motive of my heart to stay where the presence of the Lord is. Amen. And I believe if you pursue God like that with all of your heart, that your motives and your priorities isn't all uh, turned upside down, God sees that. God sees that. And he wants to promote those who are hot after him. I believe that with all of my heart. Going back to the beginning when I said that I would not hire somebody who was uh, that I couldn't depend on, I would never hire somebody and just say, well, we'll just take a chance with this guy and hope for the best, kind of like a shotgun blast. You're not going to perhaps hit the mark, but you'll hit something. I wouldn't hire anybody like that. And I believe that God is looking for certain qualities and people that to be found faithful in what they have been called to do. Hallelujah. So Joshua, he wanted to dwell in the tabernacle. He wanted to be anywhere that the Spirit of the Lord was. And that was his heart's desire. So in closing, the greatest worship comes from the heart of gratitude and love and not a life of need. God wants to meet our needs so we, so we can become true worshipers of him, but his ultimate test for us will be to see if when our needs are met, our love for him will be sufficient motivation for us to remain faithful and worship him with our whole hearts. When we do that, We've passed the hardest test in the Christian life, the prosperity test. Let's stand to our feet. So I could probably go on, but I know that we will not. So let me just ask you a simple question. What, what is the role of the pastor? To prepare the meal. Is that what it, we just read? What is the role of the congregation? To invite the people to come and eat. Amen. We do not know who's in our community. There may be the next... Kenneth Hagan, right here in the city of Winfield, who is in a not born again state. It's really not that difficult to invite. If I were to say, and we've done it many years, we're having a New Year's Eve barbecue, come and eat. About 90% of the people I've never seen before. But somebody has invited them to come and eat. We could feed two or three hundred people with what we have out here. We have no trouble getting them to come and eat if it's barbecue or fried chicken or whatever have you. But our real task at hand is getting the community to come and eat. To taste and see. Amen. Invite 
and trust God to do the rest. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for the spirit of the living God that is in this tabernacle that speaks to the hearts of men and women. And I ask, Father, that you would just reveal the heart of the pastor, the heart of the man and the parable or woman, whatever the case may be, that we invite all to come and eat, that the house may be filled. And we desire to see that, and I know that you desire to see that. Hallelujah. And we declare it to be done in Jesus' name. We don't look back to what it was in the good old days, but we look forward to what it shall be. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that there are many, many people that is in our family, that is in our community, that needs to come and eat of the goodness of God. I thank you, Father, that they, the blind, the halt, the lame, all of these people are right before us. And we just pray by faith that they'll begin to come in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement with that prayer said, Amen. Well, go and be blessed. Amen. Know that we love you. Oh, smart lady. She brought her umbrella. <laughs> yeah, I've got some umbrellas out there in the hall for um, especially the ladies, but anybody who needs one and bring it back because some days it's just flat pouring. <laughs> it's the word of the Lord, don't get out of there. Yeah. You never know. Because, I mean, if you think about it, there's always a possibility of how wet it was on the road because sometimes cars just slip and like, go right into the line or crash into a ditch or something. Well, you're right about it. We come prepared. I used to Oh, thank you.